Welcome back to Tequila She Wrote, a podcast about cocktails and true crime. I'm Sloane, your bartender for today. And I'm Trish, your crime tender. And today we're bringing you the story of Sierra Shields. She is a flight attendant that went missing. And also stick around because at the end we're going to do an update on the Alex Van Dawson case. So yeah, without further ado, we'll let you get into the episode. another round of bartending with Sloan. Today we are going to do the mimosa. It's a classic. Everybody loves it. Well, not everybody, but it's a great brunch drink. Um, I really have been loving mango juice lately, so I personally did mango with my Prosecco or champagne, whatever you have, and the classic way to do this is with orange juice and champagne or Prosecco or whatever sparkling wine you have. And this is another drink that is very just easy to throw together. You can really customize it. I kind of like a more 75% Prosecco, 25% juice. Some people like to walk the juice past their Prosecco and just get the aroma of it. And some people like more juice than Prosecco. So really, whatever floats your boat, no matter what you do, this is a pretty easy crowd pleaser. And you could honestly take any juice and do this. Uh, If you do cranberry juice, it's called a poinsettia. Um, You could do pineapple juice. There's a couple of brunch places around here that do like different flavors throughout the year. And one of my favorite mimosa flavors recently. Apple pie. Yes. I'm looking forward to that coming back. And then my second favorite would be the blueberry lemonade one that they do in the summer freaking delicious but you can really take this any which way if you're hosting a brunch make these by the pitcher or just set your juice and your your champagne out and let your guests make their own drinks no matter what you do enjoy this drink and enjoy this episode all right so as we said today's case is the case of sierra shields i'm going to do the update at the end so We're going to get into the new stuff now, and then we'll do a little recap of Alex Van Dalsen with a little bit of the update that I have. So, Sierra Shields was a 30-year-old flight attendant, originally from Chicago, but she lived in Astoria, New York. On January 14th, 2016, Sierra left her residence around noon for work at LaGuardia Airport. Sierra worked with an agency that basically she was a flight attendant and this agency worked with Delta and United and basically just kind of filled in spots. Like a temp agency. Kind of, but like it doesn't like I I'm trying to explain it yeah. and it's like the way it was kind of worded in the thing was that she was a flight attendant and she just kind of got loaned out to whoever airline needed her mm-hmm. and 
That day, she was supposed to take off with a Delta flight. When she arrived at work, she had a brief conversation with her supervisor, and her supervisor later reported saying that supposedly she quit her job. When she was talking to her supervisor, they said she appeared to have something on her mind. She also asked about contacting a union representative. Mm-hmm. And then after she has this little brief meeting that she is then seen leaving the airport on foot and that's the last time she was seen or heard earlier that day she had called her parents and her father is quoted saying by the distress and everything that took place on Thursday she was suffering through something her roommates also reported that when she left her like place she left her wallet and her cell phone behind which you kind of need yeah i'm like how why would you leave a cell phone in that especially nowadays like you need your phone for everything we live in a time that if you are not like connected <laughs> by some like computer iPad, phone, you're just lost. Police feared that she may be suicidal, as she had once told her dad she could see God on the other side of the East River and wanted to swim across it. Relatives also said she called the suicide hotline prior to her going missing. Friends of Sierra said they noticed something different about her in recent days also. And the things with these, like, obviously it's really easy to look back and be like, oh, I should have seen the signs. But it's just like, unless you're talking to other people, sometimes you're like, well, maybe I'm just reading in too much into this. Overthinking extraordinaire. Right? <laughs> Her sister had also apparently talked to her earlier in the week and was worried about, like, I guess some of the stuff she said and, like, how she was acting to the point that her sister actually flew out to New York to see Sierra. But unfortunately, by the time she arrived, Sierra had already gone, like, missing. Her father did note that Sierra had no boyfriend or enemies, at least that they knew of of. (laughs) and Sierra is described by like friends and family as a sweet girl they say she is a precious bubbly and happy person she lives her life by God's word and is such an amazing helpful and caring daughter sister and friend All of us who know her love her very much. Which again goes to show that mental health, depression, all that. Not saying like that she was, but clearly something was going on. Her mental health was not as good as it probably should have been. It just shows that you cannot know everything about what's going on with a person. 
just by looking at them. Very true. Very, very true. <laughs> I recently just had like a mental breakdown this like last weekend to the point Selena, when she got off work, kidnapped me for like the rest of the day. I sure did. I sure did. And then I told our other friend, Logan, I was like, yeah, I was really excited because for once I was the strong one in the friend group. And then like the next day, everything <laughs> went to shit for me. Which made Logan the strong one in the friend group, which is really scary. <laughs> if you know all of us. <laughs> our, our mental health this uh, like past month and rapidly that. declining. <laughs> rapidly. It's okay. It's it's getting slowly better day by day. My main stressor is now being worked on in the shop. <laughs> the car. It's her car. Yes. And uh, hopefully once that is fixed, that will be a huge load off my shoulders. But needless to say, getting back to our story, you cannot judge someone based on like how happy they are, how like together their life seems and that, and just say, oh, they weren't depressed they didn't have any mental health problems anything like that because you never know which is why we always say check on your friends even if they're presenting a strong front still be like you you good sierra was an avid volunteer at a facility for senior citizens near where she lived um, she also attended the Connection Church in Queens. Her pastor, Larry Mayberry, said that Sierra actually spoke to his wife earlier in the week. And she didn't mention anything that seemed life-threatening or altering, according to him. And even though Sierra had reportedly quit her job, her union, the... International Brotherhood of Teamsters Airline Division did offer a $10,000 reward for information to her whereabouts, which I thought was pretty cool, because, I mean, if she quit, like, yeah, she was still, like, a member of the union, but also, like, if she didn't get another job working with, like, airlines and that, would she still be considered a part? I don't know. I guess I, like, I get how unions work, but also I'm like, well, if you leave that, like, profession. Right. Are you still considered no a part? <laughs> I have zero clues about union. Right. But I thought it was cool that they wanted to help find her and even offered, like, a $10,000 reward to, like, help in those efforts. Friends and family also created a Facebook page to get the word out about her disappearance. And some of the senior citizens at the place that she volunteered at even braved the January cold to pass out flyers around the neighborhood. Which, if you are not from the north, especially like New York area and that where there is all that water, you do not understand the cold. And I just picture these little old, like, ladies standing out all bundled up just trying to get anybody to, like, stop 
to at least like take a flyer from them. I'm like, oh, these sweet little old people. So on the Facebook page, which was like kind of like a Facebook group, it was originally called Finding Sierra Shields. And there they posted the flyers that they were passing out and other information. The flyers that were being passed out listed Sierra as a missing person. They had the $10,000 reward money listed on it and they gave a description of Sierra. She was listed as female, black, 5'6", 160 pounds, black hair, brown eyes, and medium build and complexion. They also listed who to contact along with when and where she was last seen. Police and family worked to find Sierra alive, but as, like, they wanted to find her alive and well, but as time went on, they just wanted to find Sierra. And for months, that was just kind of like the day-by-day thing. Sierra's family was in New York, even though they were from Chicago, and they were just doing anything they could to try to help find her, help police, all that stuff. And it took eight months for this case to finally get its big break. On September 14th, remains were found washed up on the shore of Rikers Island, along with several articles of clothing. It took nearly two more weeks to identify the remains as Sierra Shields. A medical examiner worked tirelessly to determine the cause of death, and ultimately her cause of death was filed as undetermined, which to me is a little weird. Yeah. Because if she is found, like, washed up on the shore, you would think, like, since they were going so hard with, like, the, you know, she was suicidal, all of this, that they would be like, all right, she drowned. She jumped and drowned. But the fact that they're like, oh, we don't know, I'm like, so are you trying to say that someone possibly killed her and put her in the water? Then you gotta ask, who killed her? Because if she didn't have a boyfriend and supposedly no enemies, is it just a random thing? The Facebook group that was originally set up to spread word of Sierra's disappearance has now become a memoriam for Sierra. The family changed its name to In Memoriam of Our Sweet Sierra. And on there now, people share stories and memories that they have of Sierra. And the family just continues to thank everybody for their interest and their help in finding Sierra. For the most part, it sounds like her family has kind of moved on, I think, in their minds. Like, Sierra just did what she told her father and took a swim in the East River. But 
with the rolling as it is, I feel like that's probably a good way to look at it. But also with it being rolled undetermined, kind of leaves things up in the air. A memorial service was held for Sierra in Astoria, New York on October 15, 2016. And I guess a good thing to come out of this case is it actually like started a petition to make police agencies take adult missing persons cases regardless of age and when a person went missing. Which it still shocks me all the time when you're like researching things and they're like, oh, they're, they're how old? Okay, yeah, we don't need to worry about this. They'll show up. And then next thing you know, it's like this. You find their body just randomly somewhere and they're like, oh, I guess we probably should have looked into that. It's like, the, if you're not going to believe the people that like see these people all the time, what are you being paid for? And that's kind of where this case ends. Sierra's family still don't have, like, all the answers. But like I said, it almost seems like in their minds, she took that swim and that was it. I guess, like, their biggest source of comfort is the fact that she was found and they were able to put her to rest. Yeah. But... It's just, it's a very odd case to me because it's just like, what was she so worried about? Like, what was, like, her, was it something small? Was it something bigger that, like, we just don't know? And they've just kind of been like, well, I mean, she was found, so. It's just. Just because she was found doesn't mean we have all the answers, yeah. though. And it's just, it was a very strange one, and I was just like. I really want an answer, but I really don't think we're going to get one. But sticking with our undetermined, no real answers. Back in episode, I think it was like 24 or something like that. I did a small case about Alex Blake Van Dalsen. And for those that don't remember, a little refresher is he was a transgender um, 21-year-old from Lafayette, Indiana, that just kind of was found, if you go by what police said, he committed suicide. But if you go by, like, what we kind of believe and what his mother believes, he was killed. Going off of, like, kind of what we already covered and everything. So if you, if you, if this is not ringing any bells, definitely go back and listen to the case. I think in my little update, I do kind of get into some of the details, but by went back over it, we'd have a whole nother long episode. <laughs> right. So, recently, body cam footage was released by his mother, Jennifer, in June of 2022. 
And let's just say the body cam footage is interesting to say the least. Yeah, here's my little... I was like, I know I had like a little update somewhere. But yeah. Again, those that don't remember, 21-year-old Alex Van Dalsen was found in a remote area on February 9th, 2021 in Lafayette, Indiana. He was covered in snow and was shot. Police ruled his death a suicide, but evidence says otherwise. Now, in the body cam footage that was released, like, police gave this to Alex's mother because they, as next of kin in that, you're able to get all the information after they're supposedly, like, done with their findings or whatnot. But in the body cam footage, police are seen huddled around Alex's body. One officer says, They've placed him here. He was killed somewhere else. That's my guess. An- <laughs> Sounds suspicious. Right? Another officer, Brian Landis, is heard saying, it looks like his hands are in his pockets, and he actually even, like, is seen in the footage putting his hands to simulate, like, shoving them in, like, a pullover hoodie pocket. And a third officer is heard agreeing with him, and Landis remarks that it's just, it's weird. The first officer, after walking to his vehicle, again says it looks like he was dumped here. His legs are crossed and his arms are in his pockets. Now, it took police only three hours to rule Alex's case a suicide Despite what they were saying at the scene and seeing that, like, he was shot in the head. Again, if you're shot in the head, normally that is a, like, instant, like... Red flag. Pink flag. What's not even that. It's like, normally it's an instant, like, death. Unless you're, like, one of the few that's, like, lucky and, like, how it's angled and it doesn't do, like... But if he was shot in the head and you're saying suicide, how would he then be able to put his hands in his pockets? Yeah. The responding officer's reactions outside research suggest that the entry and exit wounds of the bullet path may be mislabeled in the autopsy. There are also reports of a car left abandoned in the area at the time of Alex's death. All this doesn't seem to add up to a possible suicide. Just like Alex's mother has said all along. Police still maintain there are no grounds to reopen the case, but Alex's mother continues to fight for answers. Another note that has Jennifer upset is that when Alex's body was being transferred after being observed, (laughs) apparently the uh, Guardian Removal Service vehicle couldn't reach the scene. So his body was loaded into the bed of Detective Pierce's patrol vehicle and transport. And, again, I understand that the vehicle could not reach Alex, but, like, 
I understand why his mother is upset. Absolutely. You just threw this kid's body in, like, the bed of basically, like, a truck. Yeah. I'm like, have a little respect. Like, would you want your child to be handled that way? I don't have children. But I would be upset. Jennifer continues to fight for justice for Alex. She is currently seeking a way to get in front of a judge to have them order police and the coroner to hand over all unredacted information she is asking for. If you want to help Jennifer and Alex, please go to the Facebook page, Justice for Alex Blake Van Dalsen. I'll try to link it in the um, show notes and that again. But it's real easy to search if you go on Facebook, you can put it in, it's like the first thing that pops up. But she is the admin on there. And she gives, like, all the updates as she can. She'll link different articles so that you can kind of see everything firsthand. And, like, she's real good about pretty much keeping it up to date and everything. She also recently added her own cell phone number to the page for, like, anyone to use that has information. Whether it be big or small. Because, again... Just one piece of information could help solve this case, could help bring the justice that, you know, Alex and his mother, Jennifer, are looking for. You never know. I really feel like this case has a chance to finally have Have the answers. Yes. It just, like, it just takes one little bit of information. And also for police to stop basically halting any looks into it. But that is my case and that is my update. If there's anything else that gets kind of brought up, we'll either do another small update or maybe just make a post about it. But... With that being said, we will kick you off to the last call. All right, another last call with your bartender, Sloan. Today we're going to talk about the shark that can walk on land. Interesting, I know. I was intrigued. I saw this as like a Discovery Plus documentary for Shark Week this year. Um, But my attention span does not allow me to watch the whole documentary. (laughs) So I just Googled it instead. Same. So I googled it instead. So, yes, that is right. There is a shark that can walk on land. The the incredible Apollo shark is not only a perfectly capable swimmer, but it can also walk between coral heads at low tide along the seafloor and even on land when needed. For this reason, it is often called the walking shark. So, there are a couple of impressive evolutionary adaptations at work here that allow the the sharks to walk on land. First is the ability to walk. The environment that Ippolit sharks inhabit are complex, shallow, obstacle-filled coral reef systems. In order to successfully navigate the cracks and crevices of this habitat while pursuing their prey, Ippolit sharks evolve the ability to walk along the seafloor using an undulating, crawling motion. So whenever I first heard this, I saw like a great white shark walking (laughs) on its back fins. 
That's not what we're talking about here, friends. It's like crawling would be more appropriate. It's a crawling shark, not a walking shark. I don't know. I like the idea of like a penguin like waddling, <laughs> but like but it's like a shark. <laughs> That's actually the tattoo that I want to get right. next. Is it's it's a tattoo in a shark costume, and it's me. Like I am a sour patch kid, so like it's a cute little penguin on the inside, but it's a ferocious shark on the outside. So, anyways, that's my next tattoo, guys. <laughs> um, this movement is possible through evolutionary adaptations in their pectoral and pelvic fins that have increased their range of motion and function functionality as feet. Even though they can swim just fine, these sharks are often seen ably walking along the seafloor or across the reef. The second adaptation that allows the Apollo sharks to walk on land is its ability to survive for extended periods of time with little to no oxygen. Oh, there's even a video on this. That's it. You see it? It even yeah, it like, blends in. Yeah. It looks like an iguana. Like kind walking of. along. Kind of. Yeah, and these sharks, they're like tan, so they do blend in with the coral reef. And they also have like these large black spots on the on their backs, and it kind of looks like big old eyeballs. Yeah. I'm sure it's a uh, defense mechanism. Oh, for sure. Because like looking at this, I would not think that the head is where it is. So anyways, they can survive on land with extended periods of time with little to no oxygen. The reef systems that these incredible walking sharks inhabit can be very shallow. So shallow that during low tide, isolated pools of water form between exposed reef structures. Those pools can trap fish, crabs, and other animals. And the level of oxygen in the water can drop by 80% or more through their respiration. Apollet sharks can become tracked trapped in these low oxygen pools and they are also known to actually walk across exposed sections of reef to hunt for prey in places where other predators can't go and prey have little chance to escape. To be able to survive with little or no oxygen in these situations as they pursue isolated prey and escape from low oxygen tide pools, Apollo sharks have evolved the ability to slow their heart rate and breathing and to gradually limit blow flood to certain parts of the brain. So, where can you see these walking sharks? And whenever I told Nate this, this was his first question. He was like, absolutely not. <laughs> this is not for real. And I looked it up and I was telling him, you can find it here, here, and here. And he goes, but are we talking about real life sharks today or the fossils? And I'm oh like, dude, I'm telling you, this is a real life thing. <laughs> so, you can actually find them living and breathing usually in like australia it's another pa reason why papua new guinea <laughs> those sorts of places like we don't really see it on our half of the globe you know my sister keeps wanting me to come to australia and more and more i find reasons why i'm afraid to go <laughs> logan and i want to go see this shark so let's go oh, i'm volunteering God. her i haven't talked to her about it but i'm sure i read this other article that was like this woman that got bit by a shark this summer <laughs> and as she was being airlifted out of the ocean she said it's not the shark's fault it's my fault da -da 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 -da. that would be logan yes i was reading this and i was like this is logan because like literally we'll go to the ocean we'll go to the beach and 
another TikTok that we saw this summer was like, make sure that your jewelry is protected because if you go into the ocean with unprotected jewelry, the mermaids can come and get you sort of situation. And so we were discussing this TikTok and I was like, well, did y'all protect your jewelry? Because I certainly didn't. And Logan goes, fuck no, I didn't do that. I want the mermaids to come take me away. (laughs) So I could absolutely see her getting bit by a shark and then being like, it wasn't the shark's fault. I was in his home. Right. <laughs> he was just hungry and wanted a snack, and I'm a delicious, scrumptious snack. <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh, but that is my story today on sharks. Uh, the shark that can walk. The first time that I ever heard of like this idea was I'm from Mississippi and Ole Miss. We discussed this in the Ali Costiel case, but. Ole Miss was fined by, like, the NCAA or whatever for their mascot being the Colonel Rebel because it was fucking racist as fuck. Uh, it's like, uh. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And uh, one of the options that they threw in was the land sharks. And I want to say, to be honest, I don't even know what they ended up deciding on because some students still, like, hold on to – well, m- most students – and most alumni, all alumni, hold on to Colonel Rebel. But a lot of the kids from, like, that time period kept going the other options. Yeah. So, like, the the brown bears, the teddy bears, or whatever, that was one of the options. And I remember that being chanted at games. The land shark has been chanted. But I want to say they did decide on the land sharks. Okay. So they're, like, the Ole Miss land sharks. Interesting. Yeah. Makes no sense. But I had never heard of land sharks until then. And I was talking about this with Logan. And she was like, you know, growing up at the beach, my mom always told me that if we didn't come home, the land sharks were going to come and get us. (laughs) I would probably be terrified of land sharks at that point. But here she is out here loving the world. Yep. That is my last call for the day. I hope you enjoyed it. You can find us on our social medias. We have all of them. Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. They are all tequila she wrote across the board. You can also email us if you have any case suggestions, last call suggestions, cocktail recipes, liquor recommendations, wine, beer you want us to try, whatever. Tequila she wrote at gmail.com. We also have our Patreon set up for as little as $2 a month. You get ad-free episodes. You get a bonus episode. And then if you pay a little more, you can get some even more bonus stuff. There's some merch. We have like a Ruining Paradise series over there. We have a Haunted series. And, you know, within reason, we're willing to add on more. Yeah. If you want to see something from us, hear something from us, let us know. But Thanks for riding on the Hot Mess Express. Toot toot. Beep beep. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.